Merry Christmas, people. If you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all type of shows. Even Warriors wins. They've got three straight in the Chase Center, and they got two more home games coming up. Anyway, GameTime is now hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you got to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, and then under the billing section, hit redeem code The Athletic. Once again, that's The Athletic, all one word, T-H-E-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C for your $10 off purchase. That's free money. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, 2019. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Maybe even see the Warriors face the Suns or Mavericks this week. Hello and welcome back to a stunning Christmas version of the Warriors All-82 Podcast. (laughs) Steve Berman making your debut on... A shockingly entertaining Christmas game in the Chase Center with the Warriors. Uh, what did they win by? What was the final? They, they went by 12? Yeah, 12. It wasn't even a single-digit win this time. What? Fitz is going to be really excited. What was the line? Uh, it was like Rockets, like, what, 9-ish, I think? I, I think so, 9, 9.5, depending on where you're looking. The Warriors covered the, the Rockets' version of the line. I, I cannot put – I mean, this was – um, a surprise to many. Uh, I, I do think this was the per- this set up as good as it possibly could have for the Warriors as far as, like, this was as good as they felt about themselves coming into a game, I think, really since Steph Curry broke his hand. Um, but still, um, you didn't expect Houston to lose by 12. No, I expected the Warriors to make it a game, especially with this kind of uh, starting lineup that's starting to gel a little bit, got off to a good start. And I knew Draymond would come to play, and he maybe had his best game of the year in terms of offensive threat for the first time this year, really, along with the defense playing center field. And the looked like Damian Lee was just open for so many different rebounds the entire game. He actually thanked uh, Draymond and Willie Cauley-Stein for opening it up for him, shading out Clint Capella, you know, with 15 rebounds. But yeah, this team still doesn't like the Rockets. Different Rockets team, way different Warriors team. But it was definitely, I kind of had a feeling coming in today that we might see something interesting. Yeah, I had been saying for weeks, even before they started playing better, like, as, you know, as people were talking about this far-off game of, oh, James Harden's just going to put 70 on him. And I was like, I mean, like, if there is a game Draymond Green is going to get up for this season, yep. we could have looked at the calendar before the season started or at any point in the last few weeks and go, it is going to be that game. He is going to make sure, not only is he going to be sharp, which that's kind of been a problem this year, like, he's been playing pretty poorly. Yep. Um but you knew he wasn't going to today, and I thought he was really going to kind of get on the young guys too and like kind of keep them engaged. But also, part of the reason James Harden doesn't have 70, doesn't have 50, doesn't have 40 tonight uh, is because the scheme, which he credited to Jaron Collins, who is in year one kind of in like the Ron Adams role, the defensive coordinator role, um, and they not only had a good scheme for James Harden, but like executed it pretty sharply, which um, is, is kind of stunning in itself. Yeah, that was the most striking thing about this game to me was that they were able to not just have a game plan, which throughout the first part of the season, it seemed like they were just trying to figure out how to work with each other in in any way of playing defense, but actually sticking with it consistently throughout the entire game. They didn't they didn't get lay off of Harden when he hit half court and Harden you could tell he got frustrated. There was a lot of times in the second half especially where he would give the ball up, he'd throw the ball a flip pass over the double team and then just stand at half court 
which doesn't really help the Rockets at all because when the Warriors go back in transition, it's not like he's some sort of defensive force. So really, you were taking Harden out of the game. D'Antoni, after the game, he seemed pretty upset with the rest of the Rockets, saying, you know, this is the NBA. If you have a four-on-three advantage, you should be able to score at any time. But he also said the Warriors are starting to look like a pretty good team, and I think today was kind of a, an indication that the work the coaching staff is doing is starting to come to fruition at least a little bit. In some ways, I agree, Mike D'Antoni. You know, if you get, I think they had 16 corner threes at some at one point, and probably ended up having like 19 or so. Yeah. Like you should make more than they did, and uh, you know, guys like Daniel House and Ben Mclemore, like they need to capitalize a bit more. But also, sorry, you've created this system that is like completely based on like these guys just have to kind of stay stationary and and they're they're told not to really kind of be that aggressive just kind of work off hard and and now suddenly the league is starting to really kind of uh adjust uh crazily in a sense i mean you know steve kerr was mentioning the box and one that that sacramento played the other night um I can't remember the team the other day, but they did it where they were. James Harden is, you know, lefty, obviously, but they were like giving him the left-handed drive, basically sitting on his righty step back, uh, which has made him so dangerous and, and taking that away. And then uh, obviously you're funneling a bunch of help. And I don't want look. I don't cover Harden. I'm not around the team enough. But like just from afar, it seems like he's almost like pouting his way through it. Like oh, oh yeah. really? You know, he had that uh, comment in L.A. a little bit where I I think they had lost to the Clippers. And it was like, I've never seen anyone, you know, be defended the way I have. And, you know, he, in some ways, is correct in the sense of, like, he's revolutionized the game in his own Steph Curry-like way. Uh, and teams are playing crazy unique defenses. Um, but he needs to grow himself, I think, like, from it. You know, you mentioned how stationary he became. Like, almost just throwing away, like, oh, these defenses are doing it to me again. Yep. Like, you know, you could do that and then, like, sharp cut, right? Like, if you started doing, like stuff like that I mean you know you could freak some defenses out they're going to need to solve that before the playoffs I'll just say that yeah the gravity doesn't really work if it's just at the half court line and he still has that gravity if he runs over the corner after giving that ball away people have to follow him at least one if not two and also D'Antoni is going to kind of shirk the responsibilities from Harden and Westbrook over to those guys that you mentioned like like House and Macklemore but I think Westbrook deserves some of the maybe criticism as well because he's a guy when he's not being guarded and the Warriors a lot of the times were just saying hey Russ either shoot it or even drive it he has to capitalize what was he today it looks like 11, 11, for, 32. 11 for 32 0 for 8 on threes and so if Harden is going to be double teamed like that and Westbrook can't make you pay by scoring 40 points when he's wide open the entire time then if you're going to go ahead and blame the role players okay go ahead but that's not really the way this team is built yeah in some ways I I think that Westbrook, uh, you know, I thought, you know, the Westbrook for Paul Swap was smarter where, uh, you know, Westbrook to me is more athletic. He's, a, he's younger than Paul. He injected something this team just lacked the last few years, which was just like that burst athleticism. They were the slowest paced team in the league, you know, purposefully, you know, Harden's kind of playing this little yeah. lollygag kind of offense, um, which has worked for them. But I just, that part of it, I, 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 li- I like the jolt that Westbrook could give them. But at the same time, uh, you know, Chris Paul could hit jumpers. Chris Paul could kind of secondary playmake. You know, we mentioned the four on three tonight. It was just kind of Westbrook kind of, you know, Wiley Coyote in it a little bit around with with the, with the guys in the corners where I, I don't know. I mean, again, he's not going to always go 0 of 8 from three. He's He had a big night. What do you have, 40, I think, again in the win over the Clippers the other day? But 
they their scheme today wasn't just built around Harden. It was built around Westbrook of they put Draymond Green purposefully on Russell Westbrook and had him as the one playing center field because they wanted the ball to get thrown to Westbrook, yep. knowing that, you know, he is dangerous and he Westbrook could have easily been, you know, 18 of 32 and the Rockets would have blown the Warriors out. Yeah. But their gamble, their smart gamble is typically, especially Westbrook when he's a little bit emotionally charged, can have bad nights, inefficient nights, and he did that. And just, I mean, the fact that he took 32 shots is not great. Well, the Warriors have kind of felt this way for years, going back to the OKC days and the playoffs. They would yes, they, tr- let, they would let Westbrook cook, and they they really felt strongly that as long as they let Westbrook do whatever they wanted to do, eventually it was going to come back to bite whatever team Westbrook was playing for. Now it's the Rockets. I mean, I look at the Rockets lineup, and a lot of people are saying that because Harden's having an MVP caliber year, I don't think he's the MVP, it's Giannis, but even though uh, Harden's having such a dominant offensive year, you look at and you see Ben McLemore paid, played 28 minutes, that's that's not really the mark of a great team. Ben McLemore has never been a guy that you look at as a foundation piece for your team. And the Warriors are a team that is starting to look a little deeper all the time. Willie Cauley-Stein, a guy that a lot of people have been criticizing quite a bit. He has a pulse. He actually has a pulse. Uh, he, you know, he didn't get a lot of rebounds, but you know, as, uh, as Damian Lee kind of gave him some credit for shading out guys and letting him get the boards. But actually, the way that he was doubling and hedging off Harden was fairly impressive a lot of the time he actually him and Chris both got some deflections that they didn't even capitalize on where Harden would pick up the deflection and get it to a guy that would miss the or make the corner three the Warriors actually played even better defense than Harden than I ever would have imagined Willie Collison just seems like he's there suddenly you know what I mean like for so many straight games it was like he just kind of was just wandering around the court and you know, it's not like he was making a ton of bad plays. He just wasn't doing anything at all. Uh, now you notice him seven, eight times a game. You know, sometimes it's a highlight block. He's never been a good shot blocker despite his size. Four today. Yeah, four. So I didn't know he had four today. That would give him three or more in five out of the last seven. And we're talking about a guy who's like career blocks per game is like 0.9. He had 51 games last season with the Kings of zero blocks. Yep. Um, so just like he's doing stuff. Uh, and when he does stuff, they seem deeper. Uh, you know, how many minutes he, he go tonight? Thirty-two. Uh, I mean, 31. if he if you're gonna give high bulk minutes, you just gotta have something, and they're finally getting something from him. Damian Lee has given them obviously a jolt. You mentioned the twenty-two and fifteen. I can't believe he had fifteen rebounds. Um, and the weirdness of the what's weird with this roster is. So Kai Bowman, who now I think only has 11 days left on his two-way, and Damian Lee, who because he broke his hand, actually kind of saves the Warriors a little bit. I think he's got 20-something left. But they're facing a weird crossroads coming up yep. with the fact that that's, that's two of their top eight right now in the rotation yeah. are two-ways. Meanwhile, I mean, Poole, you don't want on the court, didn't play tonight. Evans, you know, he's playing, but he's not really not doing much. And I, I know – if all things were equal, they would love to have Kai Bowman over Jacob Evans in a nightly rotation. They just can't have that moving forward. Um, and, and some other, you know, Spellman's really kind of not really playing much right now. Um, I, I don't they, like. I don't think they can really find a way to fit him on the roster. And the truth is, they're not chasing wins this season, so they're probably just going to have to send two of their top eight rotation players to the G League soon. Yeah, you might see more smiling to eats at some point than you were expecting. Uh, one tweet I saw from you that I 
wanted to bring up was the fact that Glenn Robinson is shooting 40% from three, two for two today. And two he big was, ones, fourth quarter ones. You know, and while Draymond was, is going to get a lot of the credit for having a sort of a throwback Draymond game and playing center field the way that we've seen him for so many years in those playoff runs, Glenn Robinson was on the heart a lot of the time. He was one half of that double team a lot of the time with, with Draymond sort of making sure that he can kind of clean up some of the mistakes. And Glenn Robinson has had a really solid season this year. I, I, I was actually surprised when, when the year started and he's missing layups and missing dunks and, you know, not really doing that much from outside either. You wonder, okay, is, I guess he's just a guy who has to get minutes because someone has to get minutes on this team. Now you look at for next year because obviously we still have an eye toward next year. Everything. He's definitely a guy who, you know, you need wings on this team. And right now, I mean, he's the guy who played 37 minutes. In the start, he's definitely in the starting lineup for the rest of the year as long as he's healthy. Uh, he's not going to be a starter in you know the best case scenario next year, but he's definitely played his way onto this team for next season. Yeah, um, you know, and it's funny. I was uh, I've had a few back and forths with him. Like last game, he mi- he hit his first three, which put him at 40, percent and then he missed his last three threes. So he entered the game tonight at 39. percent And I went to a post game. I was like, "You were 40. percent You should have just not taken that last three. And he and we had a little bit of a talk about how much like 40 percent would like mean to him. Um, you know, because he understands. He's very. Uh, aware of what his role in the league is and that is as a 3 and D guy in this modern NBA where if you can just have that tag of I shot 40% from three instead of 39% from three like that's pretty important and you mentioned he now is above 40% after going two of two tonight and uh, we don't need to get too deep into it because I did it last podcast with Danny LaRue but not only is he showing he fits this Warriors team from a court standpoint versatility wings which they really need into the future the personality is perfect for the Warriors. He really reminds me of Sean Livingston in the way he goes about the business. Kerr loves him. He loves Kerr. Um, the only issue is if he's going to shoot 40% from three, he may play himself into $7 million and the Warriors can't yeah. really pay that. <laughs> you reminded me with your story about 39% of, uh, was it Mo Harkless, who had the, the bonus if he had 35% on three? So he just refused to shoot a three for, like, the last game of the season. He Afterwards, he's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm not going to give a million dollars on this. But uh, Glenn Robinson, yeah, you're right. I think he might be playing himself in a little bit too much money uh, for the Warriors. He's a guy who's obviously an athlete, former dunk champion, and if he can play defense better than he was known to before he came in, because no one really thought much of him defensively before. It was just sort of a guy who was an athlete who never really put it together. And I look at uh, also, you know, D'Angelo Russell, they didn't really need him to do too much this game, it seemed like. But, you know, whenever they kind of needed someone to get inside, and he was such a good finisher, it seems like, when they need him to. He made a few tough one, tough runners in the lane. And Kai Bowman, as you mentioned as well, Kai Bowman is a guy who, uh, you know, he's probably playing himself into a lot more money next year as well. And it's going to, yeah, I was thinking throughout this game, okay, Bowman and Lee, especially Lee too, you mentioned the broken hand, but how do they make it so that they can keep these guys around uh, at least for the entire season with this two-way thing going on. You know, my thought was Burks would get traded, uh, and I still kind of think that's very possible. Um, but Burks has been really good for that. You know, Burks has scored uh, – what he finished with tonight? Rare quiet game, two for nine, eight points. Yeah, so that was his – I believe he had entered having like 13 straight double-digit games. Um, so you don't necessarily want to give him up, but like he, to me, seems like the roster spot – um, to let go. I mean, if they could somehow, 
like to me Evans, especially with the fact that he has like the con, you know, he he's under contract for next year. That's going to be tough to, to find a, a taker for him. Um, but that's a roster spot if they can somehow free that up. And then you got to remember uh, the hard cap, the pro rate. I think March seventh is the date where the pro rate slides under the uh, hard cap. So then you know they have an open fifteenth roster spot. They just can't fill it right now because it'll yeah. go over the hard cap. So at some point, one of those two will slide into the 15th spot, and then you're going to want to get both of them on the roster. And, and I do think one of the vets maybe gets traded. I mean, Cauley Stein's also a candidate. Uh, he's playing better now. You know, a he team might be playing his way into a trade at this point if he can show that he's a lively body now. I mean, a team that's uh, uh, I, I could see being of interest for him, uh, Boston. You know, they, yeah. they're kind of center needy right now. They're good on the wings. Um, they have, you know, East deep playoff aspirations. Uh, and, you know, this Willie Cauley-Stein, I think, could give 20 minutes to a team like that. Yeah, and you never know what's going to happen in the next few weeks with guys getting hurt. Obviously, the Lakers, are, Dwight Howard's been a great story, but he's liable to get a back tweak at any time. And I think Willie Cauley-Stein can kind of fill a role for them if something like that occurred. You, really, if you look at it, yeah, Burks is the one guy that you just figure – you would trade but you know you mentioned uh glenn robinson the third kind of being like sean livingston i thought alex burgers was supposed to be the sean livingston of next season but yeah the, the warriors have got to get creative which is kind of funny because they're eight and 24 you figure that uh this is just a way you just play out the string but they have a lot of weird roster things that they put themselves into at that uh, russell trade yeah and the truth is they don't have to like if we're talking in the moment yes they it would be much better for them if Kai Bowman and Damian Lee are getting minutes instead of, you know, Jacob Evans and uh, Jordan Poole. Um, but at the same time, so if they, you know, if they lose to the Suns because, you know, their rookie and their second year guards who aren't as good as the other guys that they have are getting minutes, they're, they're generally fine with that. It's still two pieces they have under contract for next year getting developmental minutes. And also, the two-way contracts are very uh, team-friendly. They're, yep. they're not good to players at all. They can just stick those two down in the G League. And despite the fact that, you know, there might be 13 teams out there that would gladly say, hey, Kai Bowman, we, we didn't know you were this good. You clearly are. We want to sign you right now to a, you know, a Kendrick Nunn style Miami deal. Yeah. Um, but Kendrick Nunn last year wasn't on a two way. Kendrick Nunn was, you know, he was free on the G League to sign elsewhere. Kai Bowman isn't. Damian Lee isn't. Not only that, let's say they just stuck him in the G League and said, "We'll talk to you in the off season." They still hold restricted rights. They, the qualifying offer they have to send is only another two way deal. And then even if those two, you know, signed a deal elsewhere, the Warriors can match that. So. Um, very, that part of it is good for the Warriors, even if it's bad for, for the humans. Yep. <laughs> well, the Warriors are hard cap, so it's, I guess if you're looking at it from the organizational standpoint, it's like their one advantage. Uh, one thing I want to bring up just off subject, Steph Curry was uh, pretty enthused during this game, as you would expect, beating the Rockets, a team that uh, he was pretty happy to beat last year. Uh, you know, don't kick me out of the gym, boy, as he uh, was saying sort of to Draymond, but also to Chris Paul after the Warriors knocked him out. If you look at this team now and they're starting to kind of, you know, maybe not obviously be a playoff contender or any sort of contender, but if they're starting to play well and there's some semblance of cohesion and something that they're building, does that push Steph to kind of maybe say, all right, I know that the team might be telling me just rest the rest of the season, but I want to come back and actually get some sort of chemistry with this team that's uh, currently being constructed. I was saying this to somebody pregame because, you know, there was kind of like the laughing People heading into the game like, oh, man, Rockets are going to blow them out. This is like, you know, sixth best team in the basketball is like the worst. And it's like, I don't think this collection of Warriors that we saw today 
should be the worst. I know what the record says, but I think they're like the 16th best team in basketball or like the 18th. If, if they started the season today, no injuries, and that team we saw today played an 82-game season, I think they could, it would be like a 35-win team or something yeah. like that. And they are starting to show that. I think they're going to be dangerous at home moving forward. You know, they're playing the Suns and Mavericks coming up this weekend. They'll probably be slight underdogs against the Suns, maybe a little bit more underdogs against the Mavericks. But if they won one of those two, if they won both, it wouldn't be completely stunning. So we could be sitting here looking at a 4-1 homestand, 5-0 homestand, whatever. Uh, and the interesting thing is if Steph Curry just broke his hand regularly, you know, just the, the, the normal, hey, you're going to miss 6-8, to eight, yeah. he would be sitting, we'd be pretty close to a return right now. And the West, that bottom of that West bracket right now, seven seed, eight seed. I, I, I don't know who at this current moment sitting in the eight, but it's like you know, it's that Kings Suns bracket right now. Blazers, yeah, Blazers. Yeah, you know who it was the other day? It was the Blazers. I think they were like fifteen and seventeen. Like yeah. this is not the forty-eight wins to get in West no. right now. This is like the 39, 40 wins to yeah. get in in the West. So my point: if Curry had the normal hand injury, you could be like, we'd probably be right tonight. Like, oh, Steph might return right after the New Year, and like, could they make a run at the eight? Like, where's the path here? Yep. Now he's not. He's still, I would say, at least a month and a half away probably. I, my guess is like right after the All-Star break. But I do think even before this encouraging run, I think they want to see him with D'Angelo Russell get minutes. I think the, I think Steph Curry just wants to play basketball. Uh, I think they're less motivated to just tank, tank, tank like crazy. I think they know they're going to get like a top seven pick, and they're not just obsessed with making sure they have like the, the, the inside position. Um, so – yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I, I I think Steph is going to get probably 20 games in with this team. And if I had to guess today, maybe I'm just feeling it a little bit in the air after this three-game win streak. I think this is going to end up being like the sixth or seventh worst team in basketball. I think they're going to hop a couple of these West teams. I think they're going to have a better record than maybe three or four East teams. Uh, and that may, for, for fans so obsessed with the future, that may not be a good thing, but I do think at least the vibes around the team will be better over the next few months. Well, I'm sure you read Ethan's latest about the fact that everyone's thinking about trading down in this draft, which means that if you have a pick, you can't trade down if everyone wants to trade down. So at this point now, tanking is starting to maybe look like a less and less of an exciting option for the Warriors. And also, you're looking at maybe getting a, a bit of a home court advantage tonight, is the, or today is the first time I've really sort of sensed that at Chase at all. Now three straight wins here, and now they actually have a defense. The reason why they looked so bad in the first month and a half was they were the worst defensive team in basketball, and it wasn't close. Now they're starting to climb up those rankings right now, and they're kind of middle of the pack. They've today. been 14th the last, like, 12 games. Like, yeah, that's just... It's average, league average. That's league average, and that, and really that's all the Warriors have needed over the years, and their offense has been so good. They're not that anymore because they don't have the Splash Brothers, but if they're a middle-of-the-pack defense, then you can win at home against most teams, and if they can build off of what they did today, which was actually establish a defensive game plan, which uh, Jaron called, uh, I don't know if you can curse on this podcast. You can fucking phenomenal is what Draymond described it as and you, when that, that's going on you guys have a team that is uh, actually taking sort of ownership over defense this point in the season then maybe by the end of the season they're a you know top 12 top 10 defensive club who knows last question for you uh hitting on your expertise I just have a – I'm curious. Do you think the NBA got good ratings today? I mean, we don't know. Maybe the people listening at this point is probably out, but we, we don't currently know. Do you think – and I shouldn't say good. Do you think they didn't get terrible ratings today? 
I don't really know if the ratings were that great for this game in particular because the lead-in was so bad because the Bucks really didn't come to play against the Sixers. So if people were kind of tuning out of that game, I don't know if they roll right into Warriors-Rockets. But yeah, I bet the hardcore NBA fans probably did tune in when they started looking on their Twitter and Reddit and they see that, wait, the Warriors are beating the Rockets right now? That could be kind of funny. I, I bet you the, the, the ratings will be decent, maybe... 10% below what they were last year at this time, but I, I bet that enough people tuned in by the end. I bet the ratings at the end of this game were higher than the ratings at the beginning. Yeah, I, a perfect basketball watching experience for the casual fan today probably would have been like, oh, Warriors are in it in the third? Let me turn that on, watch the the finish of that, and then watch Lakers-Clippers, and probably not watch Nuggets-Pelicans, which is the nightcap tonight, which, oof. Yikes. Yeah, bad. Well, um, also, you know, what is the most unlikable team right now in basketball for the casual fan now that the Warriors are in their vulnerable state and all their guys are hurt or gone is the Rockets. No one likes the Rockets. No one likes the way that Harden plays except for Houston fans. So a lot of people, I mean, I tweeted this out a couple days ago, Warriors fans would take 20 straight losses if they beat the Rockets on Christmas Day. And I think a lot of other fans actually piggybacked off of that tweet and were like, the slander is going to be glorious. So I don't know. I haven't been on Twitter since the game is over. I don't know how good the slander is right now but i bet it's pretty good well let's get to go check your timeline yeah, uh i gotta go right slander i gotta go right um thank you for coming on i will talk to uh the listeners again like i said suns mavericks i believe it's a, it's one of those rare home back-to-backs friday saturday and steve i will have you on again at some point I, I don't know how many games you're gonna get out to this year this was definitely the highlight game for you to come out hey this was a fun one to come to i'm glad that it, uh it worked out and i was able to come on your podcast thanks anthony yeah no problem talk to you there